Isaiah chapter 53. Easter, Resurrection Sunday, uh, the resurrection time, seems to bring out many movies from Hollywood centered around their interpretation of Jesus. Many of the physical images of Jesus, well, they don't fit Scripture. I'm not sure Jesus was very handsome and had flowing long hair. Pretty sure he didn't have blue eyes either. The book of Isaiah gets into what our Lord looked like as much as any book in the Scriptures. Isaiah tells us Jesus had no appearance or comeliness, meaning beauty, which would draw us to him. He wasn't tall, dark, and handsome, and we gravitated to him. He was very ordinary in appearance. He was nondescript, you might say, in his appearance. Uh he was able to lose himself in a crowd. In fact, one time the crowd wanted to bring him harm and he just passed right through their midst and they didn't, didn't know who he was or couldn't recognize him to arrest him. Jesus wasn't tall, and nor, nor for that matter was he short. Very, very common in his appearance. Hollywood loves to make up biblical characters that look dirty, scruffy, in need of grooming, and perhaps even a bath. I, I just really dislike when they try to make their movies look old and they make their characters scruffy in appearance. I don't believe Jesus was unkept in his appearance at all. Jesus was a carpenter by trade, we know that. And therefore, Jesus had some muscle tone to him. So, turn with me to Isaiah 53, 1 through 6, and we'll read these verses. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground he has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed, esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded. For our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. From the vantage point, from the viewpoint of God the Father, Jesus was like a green, tender plant growing up out of dry, parched earth. 
What a picturesque thing to say. You know, you can get an image of that in your head, that Jesus was very tender in a hard world. Verse 3 gives us man's view of Jesus. He was despised and rejected. That, that's a strong description of our Lord. The king of this universe was despised and rejected. Maybe you're like me, but I get upset when modern man misrepresents the whole scene of today's world. I get upset when psychologists and sociologists speak of the goodness of men. I rather choose to believe what Scripture has to say. And you may want to turn here, John chapter 3, verses 19 through 20. John three nineteen, And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. And that light is none other than Jesus Christ. It, but it says mankind loved darkness rather than light. And why? Because their deeds are evil. So much for modern psychologists. Most people who practice evil, and the key word there is practice. We all slip, we all fall, we all sin. But if you practice evil, you hate the light of this world, meaning you hate Jesus and what he stood for. And it says, not almost everyone, but it's a declarative statement there. Everyone who practices evil hates light. That's an all-inclusive statement. Mankind embraces all sorts of belief system, all sorts of religions. And religions, apart from Christianity... They have their basic belief centered upon a dynamic person or a dynamic event. All the Muslim world looks back to their prophet Muhammad. And I'm not an expert on the Muslim religion, that's for sure. But the prophet Muhammad, we know a little bit about him from history. He was a man of the sword. He had countless wives and concubines. That's the prophet of the Muslims. The Mormons, LSD, they have Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. Men with definite character flaws and selfish motivation. But there's no religion that has its critics like Christianity. And those criticisms are based upon our leader, our founder, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Jesus went on trial, and he was on trial before Pilate, the governor of Rome in the Judea area. Pilate, judging Jesus, said, I find no fault in this man. 
No. Pilate could not point to or accuse Jesus of any crime. Now, Rome wasn't shy about trying criminals, wasn't shy about uh, bringing about capital punishment. They weren't shy about sending a person to the cross. Crucifixion was Rome's message to the world, stay in line or pay the consequence. And this passage in John points out that in the heart of man, it is evil. Evil when we are apart from God. Again, so much for the theories of modern man who say we're getting better and better. Therefore, conclusion, consequently, Men who practice evil, men who practice sin, hate the light of the world, Jesus. That's what Jesus said. As Christians, we recognize this truth all around us. Sometimes it's veiled, sometimes it isn't so veiled. And we can talk about God all day long to our neighbors, to our friends. Uh, Anyone who is in a sinful uh lifestyle, and you won't get much of a response if you're just talking about, quote-unquote, God. But mention Jesus. Just bring up the name Jesus, and you're going to have a reaction from people, and it's usually a negative reaction. As Christians, we hear things like, well, Jesus was a good man, a teacher ahead of his time, Press that issue a little bit. Press the issue and say, well, Jesus claimed to be God. And that same person will usually become irritated, very offended that you would say Jesus is God, and you usually end up closing the conversation right there. You've heard me say this, but I have a kind of a secret desire to go into a public place like a movie theater or maybe a crowded restaurant, stand up and with a loud voice proclaim, Jesus Christ is Lord, just to get a reaction, just to see how people will react to that. Therefore, you may not want to invite me out to eat with you. But Jesus said, and it was a promise to us, if the world hated me, it's going to hate you. Those are the kind of promises we don't like because we're subject to peer pressure as as much as anyone. And we don't want to hear that we're going to be hated. But Jesus said, if the world hates me, it's going to hate you. Back in our text in Isaiah verse 3, we see Jesus is despised and rejected. Jesus is a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. And it was like nobody esteemed him or respected him. We, self-included, get offended when we do a good deed 
and we're expecting a thank you and do not get it. We're offended. Well, I had a chance to be offended here within the last month. We've just come through some cold, wet weather. I'm out on the country roads. It's just rain. There's rain all over the roads and the, the ditches are full of water and everything. And I come upon a lady and she's in the ditch and she can't get out of it. I stop. I ask her, can I help you? This lady can barely get her window down and get off the phone to say yes. Well, I'm in my truck, so I've got a tow rope in my truck. Not really a tow rope, but a rope. And I get down on my hands and knees in the back of her car, get wet, and get a rope around her rear axle. I go back to her car and I try to tell her, put it in reverse, don't gas it, just kind of come with me. I'm going to try to pull you back up on the road. I said, the rope may break, but uh, we'll see what goes on. Well, anyway, I hook up the rope and we managed to pull her up out of the ditch. However, we get up on the road, she hits her brake, snaps my rope. Thank you, lady. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is I go back over, get what's left of the rope out from under her car, go over to her window. She can barely get her window down and get off the phone to say, see you later. There was no acknowledgement whatsoever from her. Thank you for pulling me out of the ditch. That was nice of you. You must be a Christian. I guess I was expecting that. <laughs> but I didn't get a thank you. I didn't get an attaboy. I didn't get anything. And so I have a question for you. How old do you think this lady was? She was in her mid-50s. This was not a young teenage type girl. This was an older person who knew the ways of the world and what it was to help people or be helped by people. And she couldn't even bother to say thank you. And it's something I'll never forget. But that's my episode. But it doesn't begin to compare with how Jesus, smitten by the Father for us. Because Jesus bore all of our guilt, all of our grief, all of our sins, all of our sorrows that come from evil behavior and he bore them on the cross. And here's the thing, sinful mankind as a whole, I'm not speaking of Christian here, but sin, sinful mankind as a, as a whole is not at all thankful for Jesus laying down his life for mankind. Before Jesus, the only way for your sins to be covered, not removed, covered, was through the animal sacrifice under the Mosaic law. An animal had to give his life for your sin to be covered. Millions upon millions of animals suffered death 
for the sin of man. So I struggle with how to make that point relevant to you. And so, Jesus being a man acquainted with grief and sorrow, and I'm not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip, so understand, if you're a Christian, your sins have been forgiven, so I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip. But I want you to think back with me, just for a moment. Think back of one sin in your life that haunts you, and we all have it. Just one sin. Think back of that sin that makes you feel bad or sorrowful every time you think upon it. One sin in one life can put you into depression in a moment. Or as we used to say, that's a real bummer. (laughs) Now, what if you were required to take on the sins of one other person? person. Not only your sin, but now you've got to bear the sin of one other person that that person is very ashamed of and feels sorrowful about. You might think, well, my sin's bad enough, but now I've got to take on Jaime's sins? I can't take on Jaime's sins. Mine are enough. Now look around this room. What if you had to take on this one sin of everybody in this room? I don't know if we'd ever be able to come out of it. You've got to carry your sin and then carry other sins. That would definitely multiply your grief and your sorrow. No wonder Jesus, the sacrificial lamb of God for the entire world, was wounded for our transgressions, was smitten by God on our behalf because God the Father looked upon Jesus at the cross and he saw my sins and your sins and the entire world's sins. It's been said that there's probably 7 billion persons that have lived up till today and there are about 7 billion people in the world today. That's about 14 billion people. And who knows how many more people will be born before the history of man is complete and our Lord Jesus took upon himself all of our sins. Not just one, but all of them. And it says in verse 6, Our Heavenly Father laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. And yet, Jesus Christ, hated by sinful, evil man, but he still went to the cross. Completely covered by our sins, suffering for all of mankind who hates him. I was offended because a lady just wouldn't say thank you. I don't know that I'm so willing to help someone who hates me. But the tragedy, the majority of mankind suffers grief and sorrows for their own sins because most people will not repent. 
most people will not turn to Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and will not enjoy the peace that only Jesus can bring. But the good news is, Jesus still knocks on the door of our heart, just like we read in Revelation there, wanting us to invite him into our life. And he said he will come in and dine or sup with us, be at peace with us, have fellowship with us. And we have the opportunity to be free of guilt and sorrow and grief that comes from sin. So here we are. Easter Sunday, 2015, celebrating a resurrected Savior. And Stephen did such a good job of presenting the resurrection in our sunrise service. We're celebrating resurrection, and we celebrate resurrection because our Lord is alive, giving us life. But what is Jesus doing today, right now? Well, he's at the right hand of God the Father, and he's not just sitting there. Our Lord is praying for us. He's interceding for us, interceding for all of mankind. Because Jesus is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to forgiveness. So how do we enter God's kingdom? It's as simple as asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins and simply believe in your heart that Jesus is alive and resurrected. It's that simple. God the Father, however, says, there is no salvation apart from my Son. There's no other way of salvation. Now, some people will say, well, that's too narrow for me. I want there to be many ways. I say to you, be glad there is one way. Be glad there is a way. And that, of course, is through Jesus. So the price has already been paid. Accept the Son today the resurrected Son who overcomes our griefs and our sorrows from sin. He is risen. Let me get you to stand and we'll close in prayer. If you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, want somebody to pray with you on that? There'll be people in the little prayer room back there. Seek me out, seek out somebody, but don't leave here without the Son, the risen Savior. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we celebrate this day, this morning, because of you, because of your resurrection. You defeated man's biggest enemy, death, by rising. Thank you, Lord, for your plan of salvation. Thank you, Lord, that you had it all worked out. Before we ever sinned in the garden, you had our salvation already worked out. Thank you, Lord, for being so thorough, so complete in your love towards us. Lord, may we leave this place. May we go our separate ways today just rejoicing because you are risen and that you give us hope. Hope eternal, Lord, is in you. Let no one be sorrowful 
are grieving because of their sins, let them bring them to you, Jesus. We pray for this. We ask this in your name. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.